I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hi everyone, welcome again to VLGA Connect. It's time for another edition of our Local Leaders series and today we're going to find out a bit about the Mayor of the City of Monash, Councillor Tina Samagia, who joins me now. Hello Tina, lovely to meet you. Hi Chris, likewise great to meet you and great to speak to you today. Thank you for agreeing to come on the program where we just like to dig a little deeper into the local leaders around the state, find out why you're in the role you're in now and what's uh, what's brought you to this uh, current phase of public life in particular. You've only been a councillor since 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So this whole local government thing probably still feels fairly new for you? Absolutely. So you're right. It's my first term on council and I was proud to be elected deputy mayor last year and proud to be mayor this year. So it's all still very new to me, but also very exciting. And I think I've learned quite a lot and I'm getting better as I go along. Was being a mayor part of the plan when you decided to run for council in the first instance? Well, I think it was something I thought about, um, that it would be great if I did have the opportunity to take that up. But, you know, first things first, I was keen to get onto council first. I was keen to get on there to have a say about my local area. I have two little kids and uh, there are a lot of local facilities young families rely on. So I was very keen to have an influence and a say in those. Was there any one particular thing that that sort of led you to say, I need to actually be part of the process here that's making decisions for families? Well, nothing in particular. I guess it's a combination of things. Uh, So my daughter, who's now four years old, I did uh, have her just before I got onto council and going along to those maternal child health appointments. For example, I thought that there could be a lot more that could be done on the maternal side of things during those appointments. Uh, I thought, well, there's a lot of um, examination of of my child and that's great, but what about me? (laughs) And so one of the things that I'm interested to be working on right now uh, at council is some more information for mothers uh, to be given at those appointments about um, the opportunities that they have to get active and to play sport within Monash and also some specific advice that they can have access to about postpartum exercise and and, and, and things that can get you sort of um, back into shape after having a child because it's also very important for, for mum's mental health. So I think that the more information we can provide to mums, the better, and that's certainly one of the things, if that's what you sort of were asking about, that that made me think about how can I influence that, and that's what took me to local council. So your background, if if we can talk a bit about uh, life before council, you're a lawyer and an economist. Um, was local government something that has always been on your radar? Not at all. So I'm um, from a migrant family. My parents are from Europe and I don't think that um, I really had a a sense of of there being a local council really other than um, somewhere where my father worked. My father was actually a street sweeper uh, for the then Ngunnawanning Council. Um, But I didn't really understand or, or have this conception of it being something that you're elected to and that you could have a say on other than calling up and complaining if your bins weren't picked up. Um, So, look, part of my career after uh, studying law and economics was to um, 
start off as a commercial lawyer, but then I became more interested in well, what the law should be rather than what it is. And that took me to public policy. That's what took me to work in state and federal government. So um, getting that experience about advising uh, ministers and others in positions of power about how we can improve things, how we can make changes, that's certainly something I've thought about very deeply for a long time in a lot of different spheres, um, economics, policy, social policy. But very recently, and as I mentioned, as I sort of started to have my own family, that greater understanding of those local services and the ability to influence those made me look afresh at local council and my potential to get involved and make a difference at that level. Yeah, you talk about involvement at the state and federal level. Was there anything about becoming involved in local government, given your exposure to those other levels of government, that perhaps you weren't prepared for or has surprised you? Well, it's it's very it's a very similar dynamic to state and federal government in that you have elected representatives and then you have an organisation or bureaucracy that um, supports those elected rep- representatives uh, to implement what the, the majority sort of um, decides is the priorities for that area. Um, the, 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 the bureaucracy or organisation also has its own ideas. So it's, it's very uh, similar dynamic that I'm very familiar with, um, but it's just on a much smaller scale, I suppose, to what you see at state government and federal government. Um, But what is very apparent to me is that very direct relationship that local councillors have with people in their community, um, much more direct and local than what occurs at state and federal government. Well, Well, they do say it's the level of government that's closest to the people, don't they? They do, and it's not for nothing because it's true, uh, and it's a very uh, refreshing part of um, of being a councillor, having that connection to my local community and doing what I can to, to listen to them and to influence and make change where I think it's needed. So uh, you've talked about starting a family, you, you, you work as a lawyer and an economist in the superannuation industry, I believe, and you're being a local government mayor. How prepared for you were you for the for the juggling of all of those roles and how do you manage that? Well, I guess I've always juggled a number of things throughout my life and this is what my partner tells me. If it wasn't this, I would have found something else. So um, I feel like I've always sort of worked and studied for, for, for many years and then, um, you know, had children on top of that. Um, so this is just another thing that I guess I've um, had to be used to. And what sustains me is my absolute uh, interest in both of those domains of my life, um, in continuing my uh, professional career, as well as uh, the role of mayor, which is an incredible honour. Uh, it's 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 um, a demanding role. Uh, a lot of it is outside um the conventional sort of work hours so that does make it easier but but honestly I couldn't do it without the support of my partner and and my family um because no one is an island and you can't do anything um worthwhile in life without the support of people like that so Tina the role of a councillor is busy enough let alone the role of a mayor did you know what to expect? Because we do hear a lot of people don't really understand until they're in the role what it takes to actually perform it effectively. Look, uh, I don't think anyone can really be fully prepared uh, for something they haven't done before. I, I felt like I did as much as I could in that I spoke to as many people as I could who were in that role or who had performed in those roles before. I did have substantial experience at 
state and federal government to understand that dynamic between an organisation or bureaucracy and elected officials. Um, but otherwise, I think um, the best thing you can do is to go in as informed as you can be and just go for it and, and learn as you go along and be open-minded. And um, I think that will put you in best stead. There's been a lot of talk in recent years, particularly about how to break down the perceived barriers that stop more women and other uh, diverse groups from getting involved in local government. Do you see the barriers there or has enough been done to address that in your view? I absolutely see the barriers there. I mentioned before that I come from a migrant family and the perception they always had rightly or wrongly was that, well, that's not that's not a place for us. We couldn't possibly make an influence. Um, this isn't, um, you know, these are those are the people in power and we're just over here. So I think there's a lot to do to continue to break down um, those sorts of barriers, um, which sometimes you know, stem from all sorts of facets in life and all sorts of challenges that migrants and women encounter as they go about their their uh, their lives. Um, so I think there's always more to do in that regard. There's always more to do to make council, um, our facilities, our groups, our services as inclusive as we can make them um, so people can see that, well, yes, it is something that I can get involved in. It is something that I am a part of. This is me and my local community, and I'm just as important a part of it as anybody else who's who's might have been here for for generations. Um, it, it doesn't matter how, how new or old you are to to, to Australia, if you like. Um, this is your local community, and you're a part of it. And there's always more we can do in that regard. Well said. Um, you're three years into a four-year term, your first term, as we said. Do you see this being a long-term involvement for you at the local government level? Well, one year is a long way away. Um, and look, I've got a few months left of my mayoralty term. Um, so I'm very focused on that and sort of sprinting for the finish line in that regard. Um, look, I haven't made any decisions yet about whether I'll stand again. Um, it's it's a decision that's not just about me. It's about what's right for, for my family and I. And um, what I do know is that I really like representing my local community. I think that I'm sort of learning as I go along, getting better as I go along. Um, but I'll see where the future takes me. So let's talk a bit about Monash and uh, where you sit at the moment. Just set the scene for us about the Monash Council and community, and what are the big issues for you right at the moment? So Monash Council is quite a populous local council. We're one of the largest in that regard. We have around 200,000 people who live within Monash, um, and that's expected to grow up to about 250,000 by 2040, so a high growth area. The other thing that's very special about Monash is the diversity of our local population. We have over 50% of people who live in Monash who were born overseas. So the statistics you often hear is there are over 50% of people within Victoria who were born or have a parent born overseas. Mm. So we're just over 50% born overseas. So um, as someone who you know grew up you know, locally as part of a migrant family, we were we were you know not very uh, a common feature, I, I would say, of our local community. So it's so so astonishing to me to see that that that's now the experience of a majority of people within Monash. Mm. Um, so in addition to that uh, amazing diversity, we also have um, what's called the National Employment and Innovation Cluster within Monash that's centered around 
Clayton University, uh, the Monash um, University in Clayton, uh, Monash Hospital. We have the Children's Hospital. We have Australia's first heart, first heart hospital. We have the synchrotron. We have an amazing precinct there that's actually, by numbers, Melbourne's second CBD. Mm. Um, so second only to the CBD are the number of people who are coming to Clayton, to Monash, to work every day. Mm. So that's the challenge we're facing, how to sustain um, Monash as, as somewhere where people want to live and also want to work. Um, so there's competing demands there um, in terms of the future growth prospects. Um, so with, with growth, growth is great, but it does come with its challenges. The other thing that's happening in Monash is with the planned suburban rail loops um, going through Monash. We'll, we'll, we're on track to have three new stations built within Monash, one in Glen Waverley, one in Clayton um, near the university and one um, uh, down further near the other Clayton station. So um, this will tr this will transform Monash. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work still to do in terms of um, planning around those new stations. There's a lot of potential, but there's also a lot of work that needs to be done needs to be done to get that right. Just on what you've described there with with the uh, the National Employment and Innovation Cluster, there must be a lot of demands on the transport network, if nothing else. You've talked about suburban rail loop. What else needs to be done? Well, firstly, is the council supportive of suburban rail loop as uh, part of the solution? Certainly, council is supportive of the suburban rail loop, but we also feel that there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get the planning in and around those stations right um, and that the involvement of the local community is critical in order to do that right and to get the best outcomes possible for the community. So what other uh, priorities do you have as a mayor in terms of your mayoral term and the legacy that you want to leave behind? I've been proud to introduce a great new uh, program for Monash which is all about bringing people from different migrant communities together and we've had our first Monash Connects event, which brought together people from the Ukrainian community, the Indian and the Afghan community. So it's about um, bringing perhaps a more established migrant community group with some more emerging and new groups. So it's about learning from each other because really we're all got more in common than, than we've got um, different. And that's what it's all about, helping establish those connections because that's what's going to make our community stronger. So I'm proud that we're doing um, more in that regard. And we spoke earlier about what we can do to make Monash more inclusive, make local council more inclusive. So that's an important thing that I'll be um, happy to continue um, have more for the rest of my mayoralty. Um, I've mentioned also about helping women and girls get more active in Monash. So I'm excited to see a directory being developed that will um, help any woman, any girl living in Monash understand which clubs to go to that have women's teams to help uh, to help you understand your options in Monash. Uh, very um, looking forward to to seeing um, that play out as well. You mentioned the U Ukrainian community, tough time for that community at the moment. What sort of role have you played there as 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 a council to support that community, knowing what they're obviously feeling um, at the moment? Sure. So, um, look, we have a multicultural advisory committee. That's a very important part of what Monash does. And that's also where our Monash Connects program came from as well. Discussions that arose in that committee. And we have representatives from the Ukrainian community on that committee. So uh, we work 
um, with, with various people in the community to understand what they need, what sort of support they need from council. Um, sometimes it's practical measures to support international students um, with getting um, food and other sort of basics and support that they might need. At other times, it's about connecting them with other services, uh, for example, um, emergency housing support for, for newly arrived um, people. So really, we're, we're here um, to do what we can. And it, uh, of most importance is that we help uh, connect groups that are already there and already doing great work with the people who need it. As mayor in this particular year, have you had to deal much with the disruptions to council meeting processes that a lot of councils are experiencing in recent months? Unfortunately, we have. Uh, and um, one such, uh, I guess, um, very disruptive meeting that we had a couple of months ago centred around a drag story time event that council library staff had organised for our lo local families. So this was a a local family-friendly event that was targeted at um, parents bringing their children to our libraries to have books read to them, books that are already on our shelves by a performer who has a working with children check. So, um, mm. look, there was there was um, a waiting list for this event. It was something that our community wanted. It was certainly something that many in our community um, didn't want to didn't didn't want to attend, and neither did they have to. Um, I guess that was a choice that was available. Um, but unfortunately, what we saw was a very organised campaign of disruption um, targeted at council staff, um, council leaders, myself, um, that, that escalated um, and became um, very, very concerning and, and, and led us to work very closely with the police and Unfortunately, our CEO had no option in the end but to cancel the event because of the escalating threats of violence to a number of people involved. Uh, so, um, look, that represented um, a, a, a very unfortunate um, period in 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 this this council and, and other councils have have seen similar disruptions. Uh, look, we continue to face a lot of community concern and questions about. Um, various things that all councils are participating in to various extents, things like um, creating cities where, you know, the things that you generally need, like your job, your school, um, your local shops within 20 metres, sorry, 20 minutes of where you live. Hmm. Um, you know, there are all sorts of, um, you know, views about what that might mean in the future about you know potentially confining people to such neighborhoods we we're getting a lot of um skepticism and groups that are spreading misinformation about about that about drag story time events about all sorts of things um mm. but look we're very focused on continuing to remain open to our community we really value the connection we have to our community transparency and openness is something we're really focused on. And I really hope we can continue to do that. As you say, you're not the only council that's had to deal with that. And it is very disheartening as you're genuinely trying to do the best for your communities. In your view, is there more that could have been done or could still be done to help councils, help the sector better respond to these types of threats? Well, I think that when you have organised groups of people who don't live in a local area that are targeting a local council 
with a particular end in mind um, to override a decision by a local council about something they feel is appropriate for their local community. I think it's an issue that's bigger than a local council. I think that, um, you know, we've had some discussions with the state government and federal government about um, these various groups and the way that they're seeking to target local government. And I think that um, I'm very heartened by those conversations and by the acknowledgement from other levels of government about what's occurring, uh, not just in Australia, this is a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. Uh, so I think continuing those conversations and cooperation between all levels of government to deal with this is very important going forward. Thank you, uh, Tina. It's been great to speak with you. I uh, really uh, appreciate hearing about your uh, your unique story and background, and I do hope that you're around local government for quite some time to come, if that's what you want to do. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's me, Tima, Tina Samagia from the City of Monash on our Local Leaders episode today from VLGO Connect. Mm-hmm.